is born in the crucible of issues in life, of suffering in life. And so because Jesus never promised us a life that is divorced from suffering, we want to be able to look at what does it look like to have this unstoppable hope, a fail-proof faith in uncertain times. What does it look like for us to grow not apart from suffering, but what does it look like to grow through suffering? Life isn't a series of one happy moment after another. You, like everyone else, have experienced different kinds of suffering over the years. But how can hope survive all the brokenness and pain you live through? Today, Pastor Daniel looks to Job's story to get some answers to these questions. You'll discover that God wants to leverage the suffering in your life to build you up. He'll use those times to deepen your walk with Him and grow your hope. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Job chapter 1 as he begins his message, Hope under pressure. So when I first gave my life to Jesus now many, many years ago, one of my closest friends was a guy who was a lot older than me, who I had met at the church that I was going to. And he was one of those unique people that his story of his life was kind of so different than anything I'd ever imagined. And really, as I got to know this man, Philip, he, be, he was one of my first mentors, and, and God really used him in my life in a lot of different ways. The closer that we got to one another, the more of his story that he shared with me. And unfortunately, a lot of his story was heartbreaking. I remember when I first met him, um, we, we were in church, and, and, and I remember I was sitting a couple rows behind him, and he had this, this long gray hair. And as the church is worshiping, I heard this beautiful whistling. He was whistling the melody. And I remember hearing the whistling and like looking around like, who is that? And sure enough, it was the guy a couple rows in front of me with this long white hair. You know, kind of he had, he had uh, bangs and long white hair. He looked like the Tiger King before the Tiger King was the Tiger King. You know what I mean? I, I had to roll it out there. I'm sorry. I was trying not to mention the Tiger King in all these messages. I had to roll it out there. But he had this great, and he was whistling so beautifully. And I remember after the worship time was over, there was this meet and greet time and I remember I went on up to him and I said man you whistle beautifully and he said well it's a gift that God has given me and I'm grateful that I get to use it and so as we became friends he told me more and more of his story and this man Philip's life story was just so sad in so many different ways grew up in a, in, a, in a family that was completely broken he had when he was young he was had a lot of health issues and his his family because of the health issues they did not expect him to live for very long and so they just treated in horrendous situations and then all these different things that went on and, and I remember as I became closer and closer with him and the more and more he shared the more I was kind of blown away by the level of suffering that this man had experienced in his in his life and but what was beautiful in the midst of all the suffering, of course, is that, you know, he, there was a quality to the faith that he had because of the hardship that he had experienced that uh, really, you know, had really kind of taken me. And then, you know, when I thought about just this beautiful 
worship of whistling that he did, given all of the things that were going on, I, I began to realize that in a lot of ways, hope in our lives happens in a context. And, and for all of us, for better or for worse, the context of our lives is not ideal. You know, hope really is born in the crucible of issues in life, of suffering in life. And so because Jesus never promised us a life that is divorced from suffering, we want to be able to look at what does it look like to have this unstoppable hope, a fail-proof faith in uncertain times. What does it look like for us to grow not apart from suffering, but what does it look like to grow through sufferings? And obviously, in order to get at this, there's really only one biblical story that gives us everything we need. So I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of Job. We're going to look at the book of Job today. And and obviously, I'm not going to be able to do uh, every single verse in the book of Job, but we're going to kind of take a flyover of the book of Job, maybe one of the most famous people who have suffered So open up your Bibles there to the book of Job, chapter 1. It's pretty easy to find the book of Job because it's the book that's right before the single largest book in your Bible, the book of Psalms. So if you find one of those Psalms, turn to your left. The book of Job is is right before it. And what's beautiful also is in that in James's letter, in James chapter 5, James actually uses Job as an example of someone who had faith, of someone who suffered, and someone who endured. And so Job is, a, is a, a great example to learn what hope under pressure really looks like. And so picking up in Job chapter 1, verse 1, I'm going to read a long passage. I'm going to read on into chapter 2, but I want to make sure that everybody kind of gets the, the scope of what's going on in Job's life. It says this, Job chapter 1, verse 1, it says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright and who one who feared God and who shunned evil and, and seven of his sons he had seven sons and three daughters were born to him and also his possessions were 7000 sheep 3000 camels 500 yoke of oxen 500 female donkeys and a very large household so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east and his sons would go and feast in their houses each on the appointed day and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them and so it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them for Job said it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts and thus Job did regularly. Now there was, and if we even just stop there, you realize that Job is a man who's incredibly blessed. He's got this big family. His family likes to spend time together. He's very, uh, he's been very successful. You know, when you read about all of his different possessions, Job would, would be part of the, the wealthiest people in his community. And not only that, but he would, he was set apart for God. He, he loved the Lord and he would be praying and offering sacrifices for his kids. This is a man who is blessed and a man who's set apart for God. But look what it says in verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the, and the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? And so Satan answered the Lord, and he said, from going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. And then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him 
around his household and around all that he has on every side. You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you, you and you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And so now you have this kind of standoff as Satan shows up and, and, and God is boasting about Job. If you see my servant Job, he's blameless. He's, he's set apart. You know, he's, he's just, he's an amazing person. He fears me. He shuns evil. And, and really Satan accuses Job. Oh man, you will, Job's only like that because you blessed him. If you, if you, if you take these things away, Job will curse you. And God says, okay, go do what you do, but you can't take his life. In verse 13. Now there was a day when the sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their, in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabians raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came in. The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels and took them away. Yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, verse 18, another also came and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell on the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and he tore his robe and he shaved his head and he fell on the ground and he worshiped and he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with any wrong. Chapter two. And then there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered, said to the Lord, from going to and from the earth, from walking back and forth on it. And then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil, and still he holds fast to his integrity? Although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. And so Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh. And he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. So Satan went out the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for him a pot sheared from which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Now, obviously, I just read a chapter and some other verses. But what do we learn in all this is that really there are many types of suffering. We learn that there are many types of suffering. See, Job was a man who was blessed, right? He had, he had all these great possessions, had a great family. Everything he put his hands to prospered. But really... As a blessed person, then all of a sudden, you know, the suffering began in the spiritual realm where now all of a sudden Satan's got his eye on Job and, and, and wanting to prove that Job is just a mercenary. He praises God because everything's going well. Then, of course, we find as we continue on that now all of a sudden Job's possessions 
begin to be stolen or ruined by raiders. Obviously, we find from the losing of his possessions that he ends up losing his family. His sons and daughters are together in one house, and there was a great wind, and the house fell in, and they all passed away. And then ultimately, by the time you get to chapter 2, Job's got the, the physical sufferings. of Now he's got these painful boils from head to toe, and he took a, a, a piece of a potsherd, a piece of a, a broken clay pot to scrape those boils to try and give him some sort of a relief. See, really what you find is that there are many different types of suffering, and Job experienced a lot of different types of suffering, whether it was his health, his family, his possessions, uh, struggles, spiritual struggles. And we have to remember that suffering happens to everybody, but everyone's experience of suffering is different. Right, like my friend Philip, I told you about, he had physical ailments, issues with his family, right? I know for me, like, you know, I suffer when my mother passed away. I had a loving family, but that we lost my mom. And, and every single person has their own things that are the sufferings that they're dealing with. And oftentimes we think ours is the worst because it's ours, but we have to realize that suffering is part of the human condition. Right? And so Job is a great example of all of the suffering that people can experience because Job experienced a lot of them. Times of, of great victory and great plenty and now times of crushing defeat. But in all of our lives, God has a plan in our sufferings. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings with which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast. Because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. The number of times that I have quoted 2 Corinthians chapter 1 as a pastor, it's innumerable. Because everybody needs to remember that whatever sufferings or trials we go through, God comforts us in the midst of those sufferings and trials. And then God wants us to be able to share the comfort we've received from the Lord with other people who are going through similar things. See, it's one of the ways that God leverages the sufferings that we go through to help build up the people of God, where all of a sudden, because we've been through something, we can empathize. We've had similar experiences to somebody who, who's going through that, and we get to be able to bless them and comfort them by the things that we've gone through. The number of times that my own story of life, whether it's you know my, my background in, in partying and addictions, the, the way God God has delivered me, worked in my life, going through the loss of my mom, walked with different people through different things. Sometimes I get the chance to coach pastors and leaders with the things that I've experienced, that you can pass along the comfort that God has comforted us with. And all of us, because everybody suffers in different areas, and we all have different, there's different types of suffering, each one of us, God takes the sufferings and he creates a testimony there of how he has worked in and through our lives through the suffering so that we can be able to share it with one another. 
And so God wants us, when we're going through suffering, to be able to receive from other people the comfort that they've received. Now, because we're covering the whole book of Job, there's lots that I want to be able to say about this, but there's more to this story that I think is important. Listen to what happens in Job chapter 2, verse 9. It says, Then his wife, speaking of Job's wife, said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one, as a foolish woman speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? In all this, it says, Job did not sin with his lips. Then verse 11. Now when, now when Job's three friends heard of all the adversity that had come upon him, each one came from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the, the Shuathite, and Zophar the Namanite, uh, for they had made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. And when they raised their eyes from afar and did not recognize him, they lifted up their voices and they wept. And each one of them tore his robe and sprinkled dust on his head toward heaven. So they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his grief was very great. Now, really what we find here, and ultimately as we continue to read the book of Job, you know, there is, you know, some 30 chapters of this discussion or the dialogue that goes on between Job and his friends. But really what we learn is that in times of sufferings, sometimes friends and family fail. In times of suffering, sometimes the people who are closest to us do not help. Now, you know, in a lot of ways, we, we first saw Job's wife come saying, and all that's gone on, you keep your integrity, you should just curse God and die. Now, you have to realize that a lot of times, you know, Job's wife gets a bad rap, you know, but really you got to realize that Job's wife is also suffering intensely. She lost all of her kids as well. She lost all of her possessions as well. And now she's looking at her husband who has, has got boils from head to toe and he's completely broken and her life got completely broken as well. But really what we see here is that Job's wife in the midst of the suffering, when she could have tried to come and been a support, instead she's like, man, you just got to curse God and die. Like, like, like this is horrendous. She's given up all hope. Right. And then Job's three friends come. They want to mourn with him. Right. And they and, and they get together with him and they don't even recognize Job. I mean, Job, his whole life is changed and he's in such deep grief that they're tearing their clothes. They're putting dust on their heads, all these signs of mourning and humiliation. And it's amazing as it says that they held space with Job for seven full days and just, just being there with them. And then Job starts to speak. And then really what goes on is for the next 30 or so chapters, they begin to say, Job obviously must have done something wrong. And really what you find here is that oftentimes one of the things that makes suffering so challenging is when the people who are closest to us, the people who are supposed to be there for us, when they fail. But that's exactly what happened to Job. And, and Job starts with three friends. Another friend ends up showing up, giving Job a, a hard time. You know, saying, obviously, you must have done something wrong. Obviously, there's some sin in your life. And unfortunately, in times of great suffering, our friends and our family can fail. But don't ever forget the fact that Jesus had that exact same experience, didn't he? I mean, when you think about Jesus's journey to the cross... He needed his disciples to be there. He needed his loved ones to be there, but they weren't there for Jesus. I mean, think about what it says in Matthew chapter 26, verses 33 to 35. Peter answered and said to Jesus, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never, 
be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny myself. And so said all the disciples. But you know the story, don't you? Just a little bit later, Peter denies Jesus three times. But at that moment, he was going to be there with Jesus. I mean, think about when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he was beside himself praying drops of blood. He wanted his three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, to be there with him. But they kept falling asleep because they, they, they weren't there for him. Listen to what else happened to Jesus. Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 and 46. It says, now about the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, when Jesus is on the cross, he's feeling forsaken by his father as he's becoming the sin of the world and receiving God's just punishment for those sins. See, listen, it happened to Jesus. It's going to happen to us. Sometimes our, the people closest to us will not be there for us in the times of great suffering, which adds more anguish to the suffering we're going through. Now, in a lot of ways, I think for us, we just had to, I needed to make sure from Job's story that I put that out there because a lot of times our friends and our loved ones not being able to be there for us really adds insult to injury. Sometimes it's even the worst part of the suffering. But what I will tell you is that God is faithful even when nobody is not. Listen, God is faithful even when your friends and your family won't be. In a lot of ways, I like to remind people that when we go through the hardest times, the, the people of God, the church is at its best. When someone's life is falling apart, I have seen over and over and over again, the people of God just rally around somebody in the most horrific situations. And it's, in some ways, the people of God are at their best when our lives are at the worst. But sometimes our friends and our families. They fail us in the midst of suffering, which adds increased suffering to it. Now, in the midst of all this discussion, and really, you can read from chapter 3 all the way through uh, chapter 37. It's a long, you know, a dialogue. And in some ways, when the fourth friend comes, there's even more stuff going on. But what's beautiful is in the midst of all this discussion, in these dialogue amongst Job and his friends and all that goes on, Something amazing happens. And I'm going to read this to you from Job chapter 19, verses 21 to 27. Job says this. He says, have pity on me. Have pity on me. Oh, you, my friends, for the hand of God has struck me. Why do you persecute me as God does and are not satisfied with my flesh? Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Sometimes you just need a friend when you're going through hard times. When you're in the middle of that pain and struggling to keep your head above water, you need someone there with you. As Pastor Daniel acknowledged today, the people you count on don't always come through. Your friends and family might fail to be there to give you the comfort that you long for. This can make your suffering even harder to process. But you can count on the Lord to be near and to work in those hard times to develop an unstoppable hope in you. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy and the hard reality is if it isn't messy for you now, it will be and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, you can. 
but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances of your life. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will finish up this look at how Job weathered the suffering in his life with hope. You'll see that Job trusts God, even when he doesn't understand why he allowed all these things to happen. Even in his darkest moments, Job lets hope rise up. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Unstoppable Hope. Until then, may God bless.